Good Friday, everyone. Welcome to the Blue Water Climate Control VolQuest.com podcast, the mailbag edition. Glad to have you along with us on this Friday. Again, remember, you can check out Blue Water Climate Control at BlueWaterClimateControl.com. Follow them on Twitter at BlueH2O underscore climate. With Austin Price, Rob Lewis, and Jesse Simonton, Brent Hubs, glad to have you along with us. Guys, you want to just jump right into questions on this Friday? Let's do it. All right, let's jump right into questions. Uh, there'll be plenty on here to discuss everything that we've been discussing and we've been talking about. So we'll start. By, by with, the way, no one else can see us, Brent. We can see each other via Skype. Just want everybody to know there's one of us wearing a Disney World shirt, and it's not me. So uh, <laughs> just want to point that out, Jesse. I do in have a, a Disney hoodie on. In a stunning development, Austin might not actually be wearing a golf shirt today. Is that right? Yeah, I'm wearing a, I'm, I'm wearing a Great Smoky Mountains uh, National Park T-shirt. Uh, apocalypse is upon us, Rob Lewis. We've got we've got we've got Jesse in a in a Mickey Mouse hoodie, and we've got uh, Austin Price in non-golf attire today. So we got all kinds of issues going on here. All right, let's get right to Smoky Man 15's question. Uh, I'll answer this one. He said, "I don't expect you to go into detail, but curious how this is impacting you guys business-wise." Been interested to hear the varying responses in different industries to what we're all facing right now. Thanks and be safe. Appreciate the question. Obviously, our biggest challenge is trying to create content, and uh, we've tried to do some different things and hoping that you guys are enjoying that. And I think it's safe to say that we all want football as fast as we can get football back here. And I think that's the biggest question. We'll get that multiple times throughout this mailbag is what about football? We're seeing a lot of different stuff thrown out there. Guys, in my talks with everybody, the word I get is I don't know in terms of when things are going to get back going. And I think that's an accurate answer right now. I think speculation that it, that things will definitely be back to normal at some time this summer is is unfair. I think speculation that, you know, it's going to be a year before we're ever back to normal is probably unfair as well. I just think the biggest answer athletically right now is I don't know because I don't think anybody does. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree. People that I, I've talked with, that's that, – you know, maybe they have some opinions, but nobody that, that I've spoken with has any kind of firm idea. Like, you know, they're hearing this from the SEC office or, or somebody they know at the NCAA. It's just everything's speculation. Well, There's certain- how can it not be? I mean, that, the thing is, is, how can it not be? The, the, the You know, everything changes every 24 hours. And so uh, I think it's impossible right now to make any sort of firm decision. Um it, the consensus, I would say, seems to be that most, the majority of where we're at, you know, we, we kind of talked about it last week, the Herb Street comments, whatever, or earlier in the week. Uh, the consensus does seem to be that most athletic directors uh, and people behind the scenes expect football, a football season to be played in some sort of fashion. The question is, when is that this fall? Does it happen sometime in the, in the winter of 2021, uh, you know, and, and what sort of repercussions that has in the delay, but the delay from the recruiting calendar, the repercussions for the rest of uh, the school's athletic budgets, bringing in that revenue this fall, how does that impact? Um, but I think we're at a point where many people, again, I think the majority expect a football season to happen, but they they don't know that, you know, that's not like a firm, uh, you know, they don't have their thumb on the scale that this is exactly what's going to happen. So every day it seems like something kind of new pops up or a new challenge emerges, and, and that's just kind of where we're at right now. Yep. We'll see where it's at in, in another week or two or three and, and kind of go from, from there. Uh, as we noted in our little war room notebook that we had this morning, Tennessee 
has not officially said second session of summer school is online only. They have left that window open right now uh, that potentially second session summer school, which would just start July 6, could be on campus, but they have not, they're not saying that for sure. That's just they have not ruled that that second session is for sure going to be online only at this point. So that's something we'll keep a track on with Tennessee. All right, let's get back into some more questions here. All Orange wants to know, Austin, who's the most important in-state recruit for Tennessee's class? Who's the most important out-of-state recruit for Tennessee's class? Your opinion on those two questions. I'll go Dietrich Pennington in-state and then outside of the state of Tennessee. Uh, you know, I would venture to say one of the North Carolina kids. Javari Ritzy would Ritzy. Yeah. Yeah, I mean Javari Ritzy would come to mind. Uh, you know, just because he's he's a guy that can get to the quarterback off the edge. And uh, you know, I think any of those top players uh will be highly coveted. But yeah, I'd go with the state of North Carolina, whether it be Ritzy or or or, or Page or uh any of those guys. Cayman Marley who's a top one hundred player. Um, and then in state, I would definitely go Big Dietrich Pennington out of Memphis. You, you think you think Pennington is is more important than than William Griffin or or Colson? Yes, I do. I think the staff covets him more than. I mean, I'm not saying they they want all those guys, but I mean, like they they've wanted him the longest. They have, they have, and Alabama's in the mix there, and Ole Miss and some others. I would say out of state. If it's not uh, Ritzy or some of the North Carolina guys, um, it's kind of, you know, whoever you think your best running back on the board is. Uh, and, and so is that, you know, Tyon? Is that Cody Brown? Is that, you know, I know they obviously covet LJ, uh, but th- those would be guys to watch. And then as we saw, we got questions about this earlier in the week that, I you know, I answered. I know you guys have been on the board answering stuff too. Clemson offers Christian Ballou. You know, I, I, I think, you know, Tennessee slow played Christian enough where I, I don't just don't see that happening. Um, other schools that have been kind of in the mix, whether it's Duke or Penn State. Now Clemson has kind of thrown their hat in the ring. Uh, so we've had this discussion before. But if it's not, you know, Salter, I, I don't know who Tennessee is really going to get now in this 2021 quarterback class. The interesting thing with with Christian is if Tennessee were to ramp it back up at some point, could they get right back in the fray? Because he's been to Tennessee more than he's been to Clemson, more than he's been to some of these other schools that have come in on him late. Could could that change it? Because he's not taking a summer tour uh, at this point. Has been because to Duke gonna, a couple times though. He has been, but I, but I think at the end of the day, he likes the thoughts of the SEC a lot. If Tennessee got hot and heavy with him, uh, we'll, we'll see if that's what happens there. It would be interesting. The thing on running back too, and I'm going to st- jump on into Crazy Ball 89's question here. How does a running back board change whenever we find an answer on Zach Evans for Tennessee in terms of, of the 2020 class, depending on what Zach Evans does? Does that change your numbers and what you want to do running back-wise there if Tennessee were to land Zach Evans, which we don't know right now? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think right now Tennessee's in a numbers crunch as it is. So, I mean, like, you know, and, and you know, with the fact there was no spring practice – you know, I think spring practice was going to weed out a few guys. Now you didn't have that. So, I mean, probably going to have to take some urging to weed out some a few guys instead of, you know, them kind of figuring it out on their own. So I think the, the you know, the Zach Evans deal to me is really contingent on, you know, I'm not going to say they would turn him away. I think that would be stupid. But at the same time, I mean, you know, they, Tennessee's got 
more than a full house right now. They're going to figure out how how a couple of guys exit stage left. That's an interesting point, Rob, because you don't have the 15 days where a guy can determine, hey, do I really have a chance here or do I not have a chance here? And how does that change their approach? Because they also don't have a chance to go see some other schools if they want to transfer that way. It might limit some transfer movement. I, I think it's a real big wrinkle in this whole thing. I mean, you're sitting there at the end of spring practice and you're fourth on the running back depth chart and, you know, an upperclassman. Maybe you're looking around and now you don't know that. The, the quarterback room, how much time we spent talking about that. I think that was probably going to, you know, have at least see the beginning of a pecking order being established there. Maybe somebody makes a decision uh, in May based off how spring practice is. So, I, I mean, I, I think that's a, a really big aspect of this whole, you know, not having spring, spring practice. I think you definitely lose one, possibly two QBs. I, I'm not, I don't know if Tim Jordan, I, he's kind of been the one we've always talked about, but, you know, is, is he going to be able to graduate and be a grad transfer? Otherwise, he'd have to move down a, cl- a classification if he's going to leave, which leaves to me Carlin fills me as the potential guy that would exit that room um, going forward, uh, potentially. A couple of questions here I'm going to merge together involving Ty Simpson. Go Vols 21 wants to know, how has the shutdown altered the timeline for Ty Simpson? The fact he can't visit anywhere, good or bad, for Tennessee. He also wants an update on Chase Hayden. But I, I want to jump down here to uh, LF Vols question as well. On the surface, having three 2021 quarterbacks, Carter, Simpson, Martin, where Tennessee ought to be among the leaders, is almost an you know, unfortunate thing. With Simpson and likely others expecting to be the only quarterback signee, can you comment on how you see Tennessee playing it, especially given Martin, who is generally rated below those others? Uh, you know, how, how does Tennessee balance those three quarterbacks? It, we're, hey, where's Timpson at right now with, with the timeline? How does this affect his timeline, Austin? Because I know you've been you've had some conversations with him. And then for everybody, how do you balance these three names? You know, these in-state guys that Tennessee's you know been, been you know has offered and been a part of at this point. Well, I'm going to tell you right now, before I can talk to you about Ty Simpson, I'm going to tell you, I would take Tevin Carter out of the mix there. Okay. I, I just don't see that happening. To me, I would go Ty Simpson, Braden Davis, and Caden Martin. Those would be the three that I would talk about, Braden being Antone's son. Um, all three 2022 quarterbacks. I think Ty Simpson's the top of the board. Um, Ty is a guy that I know wants to get this thing done probably sometime later this year. I don't think it'll happen this summer. But I do think that it could happen potentially sometime this football season, much like, you know, Harrison got in the boat two years ago there in late November, early December. I think, you know, sometime September, October would be a perfect, perfect world for, for, uh, you know, for Ty to commit. He's been a lot of different places. He's been to Oklahoma. He's been to Alabama. He's been to, you know, obviously Tennessee, Mississippi State. Um, He's been several different schools to several different schools. I know he's got a few more he wants to see, so I think it slows it down a little bit, but I don't think it just you know brings it to a screeching halt. Tennessee obviously also continues to offer 2020 uh, quarterbacks, which is or 2021 quarterbacks, which is interesting. You know, they just offered the the Texas kid, um, 2022, excuse me, the Texas kid, uh, who's like a you know borderline four or five star guy just two days ago. Yeah, but I, again, I, well, I think, I think right, he's going to continue to recruit guys. Well, yeah, until, well until, until, until somebody until jumps in the boat, right? Yeah. The boat, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that's kind of the message to Ty Simpson. You want to be the only one? Okay, we'll be the guy. Get in. 
Yeah, let, let's go. But otherwise, we're going to have to continue to recruit because we're not assured that you're coming in. Um, if you don't land, if you don't land, if you decide not to take anyone, again, I'm against this. I, I would sign at least a grad transfer in 21. But if you don't take a prep quarterback, you you likely sign two in 22. Yeah. Would, would, would they take? So I was going to ask if they if you thought they would take Martin and Simpson both, if they could get him. Well, I mean, you know, somebody brought it up on the board. I think a lot of it depends on whether T's here or not. You know, if T's if T's not here, then I don't see Caden going to Tennessee. Now, if T's here, then obviously that changes things to a degree. But at the same time, you know, I think Caden, you know, has got to decide again, what is he? Is he a baseball player or is he a football player? And, uh, you know, I mean, I know he's going to try to play both at the next level, but I think that can alter his decision um, with where he wants to go, but, but determining how, you know, how he wants to play and what he wants to play, um, you know, overall. So um, I would definitely lean to the idea that Tennessee potentially takes, you know, Maybe two, but I think just one. I think Ty, if Ty Simpson commits to Tennessee, I don't see them taking two quarterbacks. I think he's the guy for 2022. Well, I don't. if Ty comes in early, I don't know that another guy would want to jump in anyway. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I, I think in this day and age, signing two ballyhooed, you know, high-profile named quarterbacks in one class is just really, really hard to do because these kids know each other so well um, with all the transfer movement going on out there. I, I just don't think a lot of kids are going to go – you know, you're you're talking about kids like like Ty Simpson's paying attention to who they're recruiting in this class, not yep. just in his class. He's paying attention to what they do in this class and how that could alter. I mean, George is not a factor for Ty Simpson because Brock Vandergriff's committed there, and he's a year ahead of them. So the quarterbacks are starting to pay attention to stuff that way as well. Uh, so I just think it's hard to sign two two quarterback two big time quarterbacks or high profile quarterbacks in the same class. All right, Rob, this is for you. Uh, R. Berger wants to know, uh, in the current world we're living in, how is the layoff going to affect development of returning players in basketball like Vescovi, James, Pember, Gaines, um, if we assume no practices till August 1, so their entire offseason is basically gone? How does that affect them? How do you see their games progressing next season if they don't get this summer work with the coaches? No, it's a, I mean, it's a huge speed bump. I mean, but at the same time, it's a, you know, it's a level playing field for everybody, but it's a, I mean, there's no sugarcoating. It's it is in no way positive. I mean, especially in a place like Tennessee, where Rick Barnes. I mean, Hubbard, you you know this. I mean, he doesn't he, he doesn't use his office in the arena. You can find him in Pratt Pavilion pretty much all day long. You know, just working with kids as they drift in for their you know their, their two hours, whatever you know whatever they're allowed. You know, during the day, tweaking somebody's jump shot. You know, just telling stories, whatever. I mean, it's and the strength and conditioning work that they've gotten done under uh, Garrett Mendenwald, I mean, that, that's, that's been huge. I mean, and this is the time of year when the, you do see kids change their bodies. So, yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's certainly something that is, uh, is affecting the development. There's no good way around it. And also, unlike in football, where, you know, guys can at least probably, you know, do some, do some cardio or, you know, maybe they have weights at home or something. I mean, it's hard to find a completely empty basketball gym right now where you can work on your game. Yeah, certainly. I mean, you go shoot out in the driveway, but that's not shoot. That's not shooting in, you know, in, in an arena, you know, type deal that way. The other thing too is, unlike football, basketball in the summertime, Rob, coaches got a lot more hands-on work in the summertime with with a player. I mean, they can, you know, they can do more individual drills. So it's not just these returning players, but it's the Keon Johnsons and the Corey Walkers and uh, Jaden Springer's coming in trying to learn, 
how to play defense and what Rick's looking for defensively. You've heard him talk the last couple of years how important that summertime has been for them implementing their system. It's going to put those guys behind, too. Again, level playing field across the country. But I think Tennessee uses their summer in basketball as well as anybody in the country does. And I also think that their head coach is way more hands-on than a lot of guys you see around the country where there might be a, an assistant or two who, who specialize in, you know, what, you know, guard, point guards or, or big man. I mean, Rick is Rick works with every single kid on the team. Yeah. All right, let's go to volunteered 87. Do you think Ohio State's commitment run was just luck of the draw? Recruiting elites like Bama, Clemson, Georgia are having moderate success during the recruiting shutdown, but I'm a little confused as to why Ohio State has had this run they've been on. Second question, if you have enough knowledge of position coaches around the country to answer this, any guesses as to where Jay Graham ranks in as far as top running back coaches? I think, uh, think, do you think he's a top five most coveted running backs coach in the nation? Five to ten? Impossible to know because of recruiting territories, styles of offenses, etc. You know, I, I think it's all speculation to say somebody's a top five assistant coach or a top ten assistant coach. Because, again, you could take a guy on the West Coast who's consi considered the best running back coach out there, move him to the Southeast, and he could struggle mightily. Not coaching running backs, but he could struggle in the recruiting element of it, which would change what he looks like. I, I think Jay benefits from being back this way because of his ties to Virginia and his ties to North Carolina. That, that's my opinion on Jay. What, what are your thoughts on the Ohio State run in recruiting? Austin, I, Jesse, I think that that Ohio State has. I again, I've said this. I don't think they're saying. I don't think they're threatening kids, saying you're going to lose a spot. But I think they're planting seeds of doubt about what the rest of this cycle holds when it comes to, you know, visits, you know, evaluation periods, all these type of things. And I think kids are just kind of reserving their spot. You know, Ohio State's a sexy looking pick right now because they're a, they're a, a team that's been in the playoff, obviously. Uh, you know, you know, they win a lot of conference titles up there in the in the Big Ten, and they, you know, they have a lot of success. With that said, I talked to m multiple people this week that agreed that there's going to be a record number of decommitments this year because of all this, because of this this run that some schools have been on. You know, Clemson's notorious for loading up, and they they had a nice little run back there, but this was well before COVID nineteen. That was a normal Clemson run. Since then, things have slowed down, much like you know, for Georgia, Alabama, because I think all these schools know, hey, if we push these kids right now, they may commit, but, you know, they could also, you know, everything could end up, you know, flying back in our face later. So we'll just take, we'll play the long game, the slow game. So I think that's why you've seen most schools, there's been a few schools that have been hot, but I think most schools have taken things slower with kids. And I think that's why you've seen less and less, you know, kind of jumping in the boat overall. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree about the decommitments. I don't know if that's going to hit Ohio State. I mean, I, I, you know, Ohio State just gets to recruit at a different level. You know, I mean, I, I think every team in the country would take what they've done in, in this early uh, part of the 2021 class, would trade their class for theirs right now. I mean, that's how good it is. Um, so we'll see if, if a guy like Evan Pryor decommits or Travion Henderson. I mean, both of those guys are blue chip players. Um, who kind of have their pick of the lid. They're not really guys that are reserving a spot. You know, they're going to have a spot pretty much anywhere. Um, I think AP has been on this early, and now you see some other folks really starting to talk about it. I do think with everything that's happened with the coronavirus, the no camps, the limited uh, evaluation period, the fact that, you know, there's no track season, um, you know, for most of these kids, uh, I, I think you're going to see – 
so in-state recruiting or basically recruiting guys as close as you can that you know can have been to your campus before i think that's just going to be huge in this cycle i think you're going to see more and more kids kind of opt to stay home uh because of some of the uncertainty um so i think that's going to be something to watch as for the jay graham recruitment question i mean i would just go by you know salary you know i I, you know he's he's paid like one of the top guys so tennessee expects him to be one of the top guys you know is he better than you know tony alford at ohio state or or del mcgee um you know or or even alabama's you know i mean like there's some really good running backs coaches but tennessee likes what they have have in jay and and you know he's He's done yeoman's work so far, you know, the first few months he's been on the job here. Don't you think, everybody jump in here, don't you think they're going to have to wipe off the early signing date this year? I I I kind of would welcome it. I I, I, I would love for it to go back to the old January. More excitement, let's have some fun. I mean, don't you think, Rob, I mean, if if these guys can't take all these trips that they wanted to take and, and, and... if you're going to, I mean, there's a, there's a notion out there from college coaches. It's going to be closed all summer long. You're not going to open it back up essentially to September one. I mean, it's going to, it's hard for me to see that you're, you're still going to have a, a December um, date. Now maybe the NCAA says, Hey, you don't have to sign early anyway. It's your choice. Uh, but boy, there, there's some kids going to feel a lot of pressure having to make a decision with very little limited viewing of schools out there uh, to make this final decision on. Go ahead, Rob. It'll be dependent. It'll be dependent on what happens with the season first. I think if they're if they're playing this season into into the twenty twenty one calendar, I I wonder if how much coaches are say do we really want to be dealing with this in January or February if we're playing games? Then you know it's kind of an interesting caveat to kind of consider. Go ahead. Here's your, here's your, I, go ahead. And then I got. I would guess that I would guess that they'll right now. I mean, it could change. Obviously, I'd guess they'll leave it. But you'll just you'll just see fewer of your kids use it. You know what? What would definitely be interesting, Brent, if you had somebody that actually could be a difference maker. And let's go with Jesse's idea of that. This thing starts in late twenty. The season starts in late twenty uh, twenty, and then goes into twenty twenty one. A midterm enrollee could play four games and redshirt. Could that not happen? If it would that be possible? Oh, there's so many variables. Yeah. I don't know if that is, possible, but I mean, there's so many. If if there is an eligibility thing, I, I that 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 would be a fan, a crazy question to consider. I think if this thing goes, you know, hypothetically, if this thing goes into, if we're covering a season next year that isn't going to end until February, March, or April of next season. I think you're going to see so many guys not play their, the 20, like their junior years because it's going to run up too close to the NFL and the, the NFL and the combine and the draft and all that, and they're going to say, why risk it? Particularly after three games in, if you're not in, if you're, you know, if you've lost a game and you're out of, yeah. you're out of the hunt, you're you're not a factor there. Boy, that I mean, you're right. I mean, if you start talking about, I mean, we could do another hour of a podcast just talking about different ways that that you could, you know manipulate things. I mean, here's the other thing you could have too, if you do it that way, you could have somebody deemed ineligible middle of the season. You don't, you don't pass your coursework in, in December. You could have somebody pulled off the field middle of the season. Not, I do not, feel, not that he's not eligible for the bowl game, but Hey, you're week five. You're out, bud. You know, cause you yeah. can see half the basketball guys, guys right. not eligible for the postseason. And also think about this. We could be having 
you know, basketball and football games on the same day on Saturdays. Well, I think I, in terms of eligibility, I think one thing that that's going to happen that the NCAA may not announce, you know, specific stipulations, but I think they're going to be very uh, open to the idea, basically, of of kind of giving a bunch of guys both in the 2020 class and guys currently on campus kind of a pass for for some academic uh, uh stuff through all this because there's 2020 guys that are still that still need to take an sat to show up on campus in two months and oh, that's yeah. not happening well there's no question they're gonna have to give some waivers and some benefits to those guys i still think though at some point for the returning players they're not going to get just a free pass for life on this deal. You're going to have to get caught back up and be on a path to graduation at you some are. point, which, which, which means you can't mess up the spring semester, the summer semester, and say, well, it's because it was online classes. Or are you going to put yourself in a position next spring where you got to pass 18 or 20 hours or something like that to get back on track? That's why the academic side of this thing is so worrisome to coaches out there with players not being on campus. Hey, let me tell you quickly about Blue Water Climate Control and their ductless air conditioning system that they offer as a small, smart alternative to central forced air systems. Known as a mini split heat pump, these ductless systems offer high efficiency energy savings, lower noise, personalized comfort, and advanced air filtration. For more information on these systems, contact Blue Water Climate Control. You can receive a free uh, consultation. You can schedule that with them. So contact them online at uh, bluewaterclimatecontrol.com or you can contact them at 865-299-2290. My mom has one of these systems in her house. It's fantastic in her sunroom. Uh, that it's something that can certainly be a benefit to your house and in addition or, or to areas of your house that you are looking for uh, a personalized ductless system like that. So give Blue Water Climate Control a call and get the latest on that technology that's out there and available for you. Let's jump back into uh, the questions here. Let's go to Pine Mountain Vol. Um, he wants to know who leads the team in sacks, who leads the team in catches this year. There's an easy question for you. Go Josh Palmer. Makes sense. Darrell Middleton. I don't. Darrell Middleton and Sachs. I, I think the Sachs is a is a really intriguing question. I don't. I, I mean, I'm, that's a total guess on my part. I'm gonna okay. go. I'm gonna go. Maybe maybe a linebacker. It might be an inside linebacker. It might be somebody they blitz a whole lot because this team might have to blitz to get to the quarterback. I'm gonna go Sean Schamberger for Sachs. Oh, coming off the little star the star blitz. Jeremy Pruitt's favorite play. What was that? You 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 clipped. He said Ramel. He said Ramel Keaton. Okay, Ramel Keaton as his leading receiver. All right, Jesse, go. I'm, I'm going Palmer and uh, Kayvon Bennett, but I like the idea of an inside linebacker. I, I could see a, a, a Toa Toa or a Crouch, you know, grabbing five or six. I do think it's going to be kind of an egalitarian type deal where a bunch of different guys you know, have kind of a, a, a handful of sacks, but there's not one guy that has, you know, double digits. All right. Let's go to Govals 2019. With Walker Merrill's recent commitment, how important is his relationship with Junior Colson? Does this tip the scales for UT? Also, Mims just dropped Tennessee into his top 10. Where's Tennessee on his recruitment as Pruitt staff tries to make the Vols uh, O-line U? Let's talk about Mims. Surprised the Vols made the top 10 there? Not no, at all. He, he, but he also said they could have been 11th. I mean, like, <laughs> that, that's so, an Alabama-Georgia deal. 
Okay. You don't think Tennessee is going to be a factor at the end of the day with Mims? Neither one of you do, right? No, no. That that that's one of those like he could have listed twenty five schools. Okay. And what about Merrill's relationship with Junior Colson? I think it helps. Um, you know, I think Junior's to me this is a Tennessee Michigan battle. You know, um, and has been for a while. Um, I think he's going to do something mid to late May. So uh, that's kind of what I would look for there. I know Tennessee has worked hard there. Brian Niedermeyer has worked hard there um, with uh, with Junior and his family. Uh, to, you know, to put Tennessee, you know, firmly in that one, deep in that one. Uh, but Michigan's there as well. So uh, um, you know, I, the, his guardians, I believe, they went to Michigan, and that's the tie with the with the Wolverines. Yes, yeah, he That's does correct. have plenty, yeah. plenty of family ties there for sure. All right, Cajun Three's got a question here. Say the recruiting class suffers from the canceled camp visit season. Um, what under the radar guys does Tennessee have a shot at that could really be steals? Is there like he was mentioning Wright? I, I didn't consider the Wright kid that much of an under the radar guy, but I guess some people do. Any certain positions you think Tennessee is doing well at in this class right now, Austin? Jamarian Gooch out of the Kings Academy. I think that Tennessee, that would that would be a what under the radar do? type guy. He's What's an he uh, offensive lineman, defensive lineman, long. Uh, you know, been offered by a lot of big time schools. Oregon being the latest, um, but he he's very much flying under the radar. And the fact that he can't go camp anywhere to me helps Tennessee because I think the more he could camp places, the more traction he's going to get. Okay. Uh, any yeah, position I, I you just, think they're doing I, well at? Well, I would just add to that in terms of under the radar guys. I mean, a lot of guys, you know, AP answered a question on the board yesterday. I had, you know, Dylan Ball asked us a, a couple questions about uh, prospects as well. And AP laid out a bunch of different targets. I mean, Tennessee's in the mix for some guys, you know, here that, that you know, are, are some heavy hitters. I think in terms of under the radar guys, they're guys that are kind of already in this class. Now it's going to be, it's going to be on, uh, you know, the development and how they actually pan out to see how good they are. But Tennessee's betting on a Nate Evans. They're betting on a Jay Jones. They're betting on an Edwin White who they just picked up. These are not guys that, you know, have a ton of traction with big name schools elsewhere. So uh, it's, you know, Tennessee also, had, you know, they have nine commits in the class already. I mean, you know, there may be some movement there, but, you know, you're already seeing kind of the body and framework of this thing being built. Yeah, I, I think that's. I think you're exactly right in, in kind of where that thing is at. A um, couple other questions bouncing around here. Austin, is Tennessee kicking the tires with, with Isaiah Cox at Alcoa at all? No. Okay. Jake Dog, 13, uncommitted prospects in North Carolina. Give me two that you think Tennessee's got a real good shot at in North Carolina. Uncommitted. Rid- yeah, uncommitted. Uh, I'll go uh, that Dawkins. Yeah, I mean, I, I think Cayman Marty's one. But he, they, again, they got to get him to campus, you know. But I mean, they, there's a lot of really good dialogue there with Cayman Marley, um, and then Colby Smith, the offensive lineman, is another one. Um, they have really good dialogue with Javari Ritzy. I think Tennessee's done a really nice job there after they fell behind Georgia there for a, for a stretch. Um, but I mean, that one's gonna be a you know, even if you land him, it's gonna be a, a it's gonna be a tough recruitment throughout. Um, and then, you know, I think Tennessee's not out of it with a guy like uh, Rob Rod Dilworth, who is the teammate of Jabari Renzi. Um, But again, you know, what do those guys do? You know, Dilworth's mom never made it here, but 
before the dead period kicked in. They were set to come in, I think, uh, what would have been uh, this weekend on April 4th. So uh, um, that did not happen. And so now, you know, does he wait? Does he wait it out? Because I think for Tennessee to have a real shot there, um, they need her to make it to campus. All right, uh, Rob, what do you think of the chances Jeremy Banks is back on this roster whenever this team is re- whenever this team reconvenes? I mean, it kind of sounds like everything's headed in that direction, don't you? I mean, uh, I mean, I, I mean, there's a clear, yeah, there's a clear think, push think, to get there. I think COVID nineteen makes it real easy, Brent, for him to slide in there whenever they do reconvene. I mean, do you I, think he's back, Jesse? I think, think the linebacker depth chart certainly helps. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I've long thought that he was going to ultimately return to the team. So. Yeah, I agree with that. All right, two more, and we're out the door. Vulcan. Um, you mentioned from a previous podcast you think Middleton is one of the strongest defensive uh, big men. If that's the case, do you feel like he may be the most likely drafted or earliest drafted defensive lineman off this team for the upcoming season? I mean, I think I think it's up to Darrell Middleton. Don't you, Austin? I mean, we've seen flashes yeah, I- where he looks like he can dominate people and be a really good player. I think everybody wants to know, is he going to do something consistently? I mean, I, I think, when, I think when, when he wants to play, yeah. he's really solid. I think he gets drafted just, I mean, I mean, I, I think he's got ability, but I think that size is, is going to make, make him, he's going to show up on somebody's roster next in, in the NFL. Uh, it kind of I means similarly good gracious Daniel McCullers. What's, what's he done ever you know, on a football field? He averages about three tackles a year for the Steelers and he keeps, yeah. they, keeps remaining on that roster. Uh, I'm with you. Somebody's going to take a chance on his size. Again, if he wants to go high in the draft, it's going to be he's got to he's got to show up and do something and not make a flash play here or there. He's got to do some stuff consistently. Last one, CD Vol. Jesse, I'm going to start with you on this. There have been a lot of valid complaints over the past years about Mark Emmert of the NCAA. He's gotten a lot of heat for various reasons. My question is, who has the authority to fire him, and why do you think Mark Emmert's still in charge of the NCAA right now? Because he keeps making them money. I mean, that's, I mean, he makes a, a, a pretty penny himself, but, uh, I mean, he, at some point, I think you are going to see these institutions. I don't know if it's in five years, 10 years, at some point, I do think you're going to see these power schools, the Tennessees, um, the Clemson's, the Alabama's, Georgia's, the Ohio state's Penn's. I think you're going to see like the big name schools eventually peel away from the NCAA. Um, and that may happen once the players realize that and, – and maybe COVID-19 is actually going to help expedite this process because obviously these schools so badly want to play this season for the financial reasons that the players may realize that, you know, all it takes is one little mini strike, and that's how you kind of get the compensation that they've been uh, desiring for the last, you know, uh, several years. So, But Emmert's job is safe until – kind of that sort of action happens, I think, in my opinion, because he, he sticks his foot in his mouth, you know, five or six times a year, and it hadn't seemed to have an impact. Yeah, Rob, it seems like we've been talking about people breaking away from the NCAA for two decades, and nothing seems to be really any closer today than it was two decades ago. I, th- I mean, I, think, I, I, I sort of think the college football playoff is a step in that direction. I mean, it, you know, not, not full-blown you know, revolution or anything, but I, I think that that's – I mean, I, I, it clearly, you know, it benefits the power schools. I mean, I think the thinking, you know, behind it and um, where the money goes is, is, you know, kind of separates the, the big schools from the small schools. Unlike, you know, basketball is a different deal with the tournament. 
Yeah, it certainly is. So plenty of questions there. We're going to do a mailbag podcast every week here at VolQuest.com for a while. Obviously, we want to continue to take your questions and talk uh, sports in a variety of ways. So we appreciate everybody who asked questions today. And again, we'll do one of these uh, next Friday as well. But that's going to do it for this edition of the Blue Water Climate Control VolQuest.com Mailbag Edition podcast. For Jesse Simonton, Austin Price, and Rob Lewis, I'm Brent Hubs. Thanks for joining us. Have a great weekend, everybody.